I still believe that there is no asset that will perform better than let's just say Bitcoin and ETH uh, or a you know or or like a golden tree fund run by Avi Fellman that adds alpha to Bitcoin and ETH. Like I think those are the those are sort of the things that you can invest in in crypto that will earn you 10x, 15x returns over the next decade at a minimum. Welcome back to another episode of 1000X. I know we've taken a bit of a hiatus, but we're happy to be back and in full force. There are a couple things that have changed, though, that I'll let Jonah talk about in a, in a minute here. But one thing that hasn't really changed is the price of Bitcoin, which remains flat and dead. So giving us a lot of time to spend efforts on going to the gym, looking at other markets, and in general, just enjoying life. So Jonah, tell us, how's your life been? Yeah, life's been life's been hectic. I mean, the first big change, the folks at Blockworks sent me this microphone because I was previously using like a webcam mic. Uh, so they, they got sick of editing and, and now we have this beautiful FM radio voice that everyone gets to listen to. So thank you, Blockworks. It's very um, deep. It's like it, really, really makes your voice, voice baritone. It gets higher and higher throughout the day as I use it more and more. Maybe I should voice? just not talk like Taylor Swift and then only podcast. Um, right. So the big update from my side is that I have left Cumberland. I, I resigned uh, a couple weeks ago. The rationale for doing that is that, you know, natural resource markets got pretty roiled last year. Um, oil in particular, that is my sort of native asset class. And an opportunity came along to return to that market that was, that was really good. So you know, I still deeply believe in crypto. <clears throat> I still have, you know, fairly substantial crypto holdings. I haven't changed that. If anything, I've added to it. Um, but I will not be focused on crypto day to day because, you know, as a trader, you take the opportunities when they come and the pull from, from the oil market was just too strong for me to resist at this particular time in my life. Um, I think there's tremendous opportunity in crypto because, you know, it's almost like, I got pulled into crypto uh, when crypto was was booming, and now I'm getting pulled back into oil when oil is booming. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that that most people do what I've done. You're supposed to you're supposed to keep a, a steady hand on the markets, and you're you're not supposed to just chase what the hot new thing. You're not supposed to like pivot to commodities right now, or pivot to AI three weeks ago, or pivot to semiconductors. Um, but you know, if you've been if you've been you know fostering, uh, you know, 17 year career in one asset class, it, it can, it, you know, it can pull you back. Now, one thing I do want to say, the folks at Cumberland, they are top notch. I had the best experience I, I could have possibly asked for at that place. Um, they provide the best liquidity you're going to get. If you're an institution looking to trade crypto, um, I, I've, you know, gotten a very detailed look under the hood there. And what they do to, to provide those sort of markets for institutions like golden tree and anyone else to trade, you know, crypto assets. It's, it's not an art, it's, it's a real science and they have the best people. So, um, you know, thank you very much, Don Wilson and, and Cumberland for, for employing me and for giving me that wonderful experience. Um, highly, highly recommend trading with Cumberland. You know, that, that's actually really important because it's so difficult to find a good counterparty. 
I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that you say that. Secure the, counterpart. The, 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 I mean, and and really, yeah, secure. Secure is, I think, an important an important point there. It's, just, it's so hard to find people that we're unwilling to trade with, willing to hold risk with in this space. I have to ask. You're the second person that I've seen in the last month leave crypto to join the old market. You had Benoit over at GSR go back, and I think he's at Millennium now. Yeah, we used Training. to work together. Oh, you guys used to work together. Yeah, same desk. He uh, he was desk? the reason why I moved to London. Um, we co-ran the crude oil market making desk at Goldman Sachs, and he was the London guy. I was the New York guy, and then we switched places in 2014, early 14. Okay. So are you guys going back to the market to effectively trade the same thing that you were doing for the last 17 years? Or do you think your role is going to change a bit? Um, you know, it's interesting you ask. I can't speak for Benoit. Uh, he, you know, he his last oil role was at Goldman. So he's, he's moving to the buy side now. That's fairly different um, than market making. But... <clears throat> still a, a lot of overlap and I think he'll be a tremendous success there. He just started. Uh, as for me, I'm not going back to what I was doing before. Um, I'm going to be launching a new adventure, which I think is important when you are a trader. If you're intellectually, like, I mean, I don't know, plenty of traders do phenomenally well and make great fortunes for themselves and their families doing the same thing. Uh, just becoming a master of a very specific craft. Or in some cases, you know, advancing through the ranks of a company and, and overseeing more and more and scaling their skills. Um, I have never, uh, either just by my own political incompetence or you know, trading, uh, you know, suckiness. I've never, I've never like felt the need to rise within one company. I've always tried to challenge myself, learn new asset classes, and move around. Um, to try and like bolt on new skill sets and diversify and broaden what I do. So um, this time I'm going to be sort of heading towards a role that's a mixture of prop trading and also what I was doing at Cumberland, sort of um, sort of uh, attachment to a crude oil business. Can, can I, I got to ask you one more question about crude oil. I know that this is a crypto podcast, but I'm just very interested in this. So, why is this year, why are you saying that this year is so great for oil? Because when I look at last year, I see prices went, you know, it, it, it looks like they went from 75 at the beginning of the year in 2022 to like almost 120 during 2022. And this year they've almost been within this $15 range. Like what, what this year, why is it this year? Why wasn't it last year? Last year seems like it was actually the real explosion. Last year was the real explosion. Okay. This year has, well, last year and this year have set up for a prolonged period of fruitful trading opportunity in crypto. And here's why. Um, in crypto or oil? Sorry, in, in oil trading um, and, I see, I see and crypto still, I see, trading too. I see but. what's still on your mind, by the way. <laughs> well, first of all, let me reassure the listeners of this podcast you're not going to be forced to listen to a bunch of microeconomic drack about the crude oil market. Avi and I are going to keep it very tailored to what you care about, um, which is probably crypto, but we're going to have a slightly more broad, diverse perspective at this point. Um, I would say that the situation that happened in Russia, where <clears throat> basically the oil market went from ESG 
you know, when are electric vehicles going to eat into demand to the point where the price goes to zero? Like that was the narrative before Russia. After Russia, it's about security of supply. Like the world still needs a bunch of oil right now. You know, more than 100 million barrels a day of it. A barrel is, you know, about yay high, 42 gallons inside. You know, it's 100, 102, 103 million of it gets consumed. 102, 103 million barrels of that get consumed every day by, by the human race. It's, it's not, it's not something we can just do away with, right? So security of supply has been brought into question and then that changes everybody's uh, economics and equation when they buy it, refiners in particular, um, <clears throat> nation states as well. Like Joe Biden emptied the strategic petroleum reserve to keep gasoline prices down during the Russia conflict. Um, but he has yet to really fill it back up. That's a problem. You know, those sorts of, those sorts of, uh, dialogues become relevant in crude oil, but more importantly, interest rates going up, right? When interest rates go up, the hundreds of billions of dollars it takes to extract oil from the ground and bring it to market, those dollars become more expensive. They're not just, you know, floating around anymore. Um, you, you have to, you have to pay pretty high interest rates just to get access to capital, even if you're Exxon. So what that's going to do is set up a structural undersupply, um, for the next couple of years while the market um, still has demand for this stuff. So then you'll get kind of a run up in price and then demand will get killed and EVs will, you know, accelerate. And then, and then you'll probably, uh, then you'll probably start to tank. So I think that's why companies are excited to have people come in and trade oil. But equally, I think there's those same factors have made crypto relevant uh, more so than ever. And while I might not be in the, the market making business anymore in crypto, I, I still, I still believe that there is no asset that will perform better than, let's just say, Bitcoin and ETH, uh, or a you know, or or like a Golden Tree fund run by Avi Fellman that adds alpha to Bitcoin and ETH. Like I think those are the those are sort of the things that you can invest in in crypto that will earn you 10x, 15x returns over the next decade, at a minimum. That's really that's really interesting. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I, I do think there's what's what's interesting. What's interesting right now is that there seems to be some some overlap with what's going on in the in, in the oil in the oil world and what's going on in the crypto world. One thing that that stood out to me is when I was visiting Hong Kong, there there are all these articles that were popping up about the tens or dozens of Hong Kong trading firms that have appeared overnight that are all trading Russian oil. Or that are all exporting oil, and it's assumed to be it's assumed to be Russian oil, because they're all getting it at sixty dollars a barrel, uh, you know, out of out of Russia and selling it selling it at basically a massive markup on the uh, on the free market. And the other thing that struck me is how widespread, uh, you know, USDT is there for getting capital out of capital out of Hong Kong. I think there's a lot of mainland money that is coming is coming out that way, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was some oil trading being done in Bitcoin or, or USDT right now as a way uh, to get I it. I wouldn't be surprised either. And I think that intelligent oil trading companies will eventually add that onto their platforms, add USDT, ETH, Bitcoin onto their platforms. I mean, and it's not like some sort of dark, sketchy agenda. Oil, oil has always found its way from, you know, the 
oil wells of, of one adversary to their, you know, the refineries of their arch enemy. Mark Rich became famous by pioneering oil trading and sold Iranian oil to Israel. Uh, this is, this is nothing new, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the mechanisms of those transactions will become more technologically updated as time goes on. And I think crypto will be part of that. And there's, again, nothing sinister about this. This is just about keeping the lights on. And it's, keeping it's just, it's just how, it's just how it goes. Yeah. And I mean, it, it makes sense. Cause one, you know, one thing I keep coming back to about crypto, and this is something that struck me at token token 2049 is when you're discussing with people, what is the value of crypto? What does blockchain tech enable? What does Bitcoin enable? What does Ethereum enable? What do all these things actually do? I just keep coming back to the fact that it allows you to transfer value more efficiently and better than you you ever have before. And so yeah. if you start with, if you just start with that base, now then you have to ask yourself when you're building applications or when you're building things, what is most impacted by that framework? What types of things can you build? What types of things can get done that are most impacted by the ability to move value in a digital way easily and more simply than we ever have before? International trade, obviously, obviously one. one of them. You joined gray market trade, obviously, is a big is a big part of that, big part of that as well. And I think we all just have to be realistic about what the technology is used for. Uh, another one. One thing that stood out to me is I was staying, or the, the conference was in the Marina Bay Sands, which is this big casino. Yeah, tell us, tell us about Token Twenty Forty Nine. Like, what was the mood like there? Like, if people like me are, are leaving crypto, then well, not leaving, but leaving it professionally, then there's we must be at, we must be at the lows. <laughs> you know, like it's about to rip from here. So, what was the mood like? For yeah, it's, Jonah, it's over. You 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 bought the top and sold the bottom, basically. Sorry, <laughs> at least at least at least you didn't leave at fifteen k. That would have been that would have been very painful. <laughs> ETH went down to nine fifty on my watch. Yeah, yeah, you you stuck it through. You stuck it through the actual yeah. low. So Thanks. I'll get you know I'll get I'll give it to you. But it was electric. It was there was a lot of energy. The issue was I didn't see as many projects as I would have liked to, and the projects that I did see, uh, you know, there's things like Islam Coin, which doesn't really make too much sense to me. It's like ethical you know, halal finance, uh, right? I mean, a lot of these things just didn't really resonate with me. Uh, and, and I think that there was still, there's still clearly a lot of money. I think Jonah, there were, there were a thousand booths at this place. Whoa. There were a lot of people that are those still booths had money. just spending 2021 VC cash or are they, I, are they new I things? think so. I think so. And I think what's what's going to be good is that, the, you know, there, I think there's still a culling ahead. If I were to take a wild guess, I'd say there's still a culling ahead in the VC market. And the VC market always lags the, the liquid market. I think the liquid market has bottomed out. I think the VC market has some some ways some ways to go. But I'll, I'll, I'll say that the mood of the investors was electric. And the thing that stood out to me is that I spent a lot of my time in New York, I spend you know a lot of my time in Puerto Rico. I spend a lot of my time in the U.S. in general, and the level of sophistication from investors into crypto is quite low compared to the level of sophistication coming from investors in Hong Kong and Singapore, specifically Singapore. I sat down probably with you know 10, 15 different allocators at the time that were all Asia based that you know, had one foot in crypto, one foot out of crypto. Maybe they bought a little bit in 2021 and got absolutely nuked. Maybe they, 
you know, didn't actually acquiesce and managed to save their cash. But a lot of these guys were still hovering around crypto, but they knew a lot. Hmm. They were very interested in crypto and interested in a way that people in the US, they just really aren't. And, and a lot of these guys, I think what's happened is you have a lot of these young guys that are maybe 25 to 40 years old. And they're the sons or daughters of these magnates that have made a substantial amount of money in real estate, in commodities, uh, really just across the board. And they want to make a name for themselves and they've found crypto and they really like it and they really get it. And so they, they try to get these carve outs to go invest in. And you talk to these people and they're just quite knowledgeable. And when we talk to people in the US, it, it's, it's night and day. I mean, these guys are asking me questions like, what is Bitcoin? And the family offices out in Asia are asking me what the best ZK EVM implementation is, right? It's just a very different level of interest. And another thing that was pointed out to me is that- What is the best, just hot take? What is the best ZK EVM level implementation? Your okay, so we spent a lot of time on this last year. My gut, based on- understanding last year's report and then talking a lot with the different teams right now is that Polygon is far ahead. So wow. Polygon bought Hermes, uh, I think in 21, might, might've been 22 for 400 million. And I was lucky enough to be at a lunch, uh, actually the Cumberland setup with Daniel Schwartz, the founder of Hermes, uh, Sandeep and Mihail. And I'd say Daniel Schwartz is a very, 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 very smart guy. Uh, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of Vitalik in that sense. And I have a lot of faith that the Polygon team is actually going to roll out a very robust solution. And they're about 18 months ahead of everybody else. Wow. And the, the other thing, the other thing that's interesting is that Optimism has a hundred million dollar grant now or pushing out a hundred million dollar grant for a ZK. Uh, it's a ZK grant to go build ZK tech for, for, for Optimism because everybody knows that the rollups, optimistic rollups are a stopgap. And they're not going to be the main Scaling form solution. of uh, yeah. you know so the main the main solution over the next call it to even two three two three years. So everybody's trying to to get on on top of this. And so I actually think Polygon is quite underowned from that perspective. Um, you know they sold 180 million dollars of Nike NFTs uh, that people aren't really paying attention to. The Starbucks NFT implementation didn't go that well. Uh, a lot of the other basically every other L1. Uh, the, and 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 NL NL two has had to do a tremendous amount of incentivization in order to keep activity high. And if you look at Polygon, activity is just still quite high. So, you know, they're number two in NFTs. Um, people are still using people are still using the platform. They actually can't incentivize, uh, which is which is a bearish point because they just they just don't really have a token left to incentivize. I think their token economics make more sense than than, uh, than optimism and, and, and Arbitrum token economics do. And I think that Sandeep is a genuinely dedicated founder. And that's actually quite rare these days. And the Polygon token has been around long enough that he could have pulled out a couple hundred million and just walked away and said, and he has done. That's a good And he sign. hasn't. I mean, he, he he's still like every day. It's funny. I, I, you know, I spent a non-trivial amount of time chatting with him over the last, you know, few weeks and, and, and he's been, he's been impressive every time with his level of dedication. So I was like, okay, I, I like, I like, I like Polygon, you know, I'm the, the market seized on again, their mistakes. I'm a, look, I'm a trader. Right. I'm a trader. 
I will, you know, say say, say that if Polygon goes to uh, if Polygon goes to a buck, my position size is going to be much less than it is today. Um, <laughs> you know, just 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 by virtue of it. I mean, but the market do, seized on like their it. mistakes, right? Like they yeah. they had some biz dev successes. The token ripped. Then they had some biz dev um, embarrassments. The token puked. Um, I think this is the problem with or or possibly uh, opportunity with crypto is that. Uh, Unlike standard startup life, where the price of the equity in a company, you know, private company, doesn't just like have this transparency, and and you can't see the wild volatility as they go from success to failure to success. Like you, you have that with crypto because these tokens are so liquid and tradable. So uh, ultimately, I think I think you're right. I think there is an opportunity in Polygon now. Base the L2 run by Coinbase. Yep, um, they're doing 200k a week in revenues. Um, is that a is that a zk roll up? What what powers that solution? No, I'm, I'm asking for a friend. By the way, I, I know the answer, but I'm just asking. You. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's optimistic. It's it's based on the op stack. It's basically an opti optimi optimistic uh, or op side chain, right? Or op fork is is, is is basically what it is. And in theory, some of the revenues will go back. Will go back to optimism. Uh, I do think it's very tenuous, and I think the one thing that worries me about the optimism value accrual is that there was a balance sheet deal that coinbase got i think two two and a half percent of mm. the optimism supply for going with optimism and so i i used to view it i was a little bit more bullish on, on the optimism stack because of that but post i think it was a very expensive trade for optimism uh and it's unclear whether they'll be able to get future uh, future BD partners on board to give back sequencer revenues in the in the in the same way, but I do like the team. I think they're very dedicated. I think that they're very smart. I think that they're approaching it in the right way, and I do think that the branding is very good, right? To have optimism, be able to get Worldcoin and Base online. I think that Base it remains to be seen how long the organic traction is gonna is gonna stay up. But it is going to be, in my opinion, the place when retail comes back where activity happens. And that's just purely because it's going to be very easy to get people over from Coinbase to base, right? If you, if you, want, to, if you want to enter the crypto ecosystem and you have money, you, you're probably coming in through Coinbase anyway. And then Coinbase also, by the way, they're launching this offshore derivatives exchange. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm also very, okay, it's like two things I'm very bullish on, Polygon and, and, and Coin. Those are two things. And, and, you know, over the next, over the next, call it four to eight weeks, I think a lot of the, this starts to be understood and, and priced in. Um, one other thing, by the way, just as a, just as another uh, point like that came out during token 2049. Uh, so Asian investors are a lot more in better equipped to deal with crypto than us investors. You have a dearth of projects, but still a lot of capital in the in in the in the system. But the projects that are good are pretty damn good now. So, for example, T Telegram is rolling out their uh, wallet app, and their wallet is very good. It's like actually quite good. Hmm. Their games on the on on the tel on Telegram now. Telegram um, has a history of launching phenomenal products. Like the, the Telegram wallet is good. It's a good wallet. I'm, Te I Telegram know. operates under this ethos. So Steve Jobs has this famous business quote that was in mm -hmm. his autobiography or his biography. Um, very recommended, by the way, the Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs biography. Now, is this, is this the same guy that's writing a book on Elon? Yeah, that's right. 
I mean, okay. most cliche recommendation ever, but it's it's a fantastic book. Basically, Steve Jobs' thing was you don't have to like reinvent the wheel. Um, he said, just take a product that other people are doing poorly and do it well. He did that with the MP3 player, right? You had these like shitty, um, basically computer chips surrounded by cheap plastic, uh, you know, very hard to use. And he made the iPod. So I think Telegram has taken that quote and just run with it. Like they were, they were, they're still the slickest messaging service, right? And why shouldn't they be the ones to build the slickest wallet? And frankly, like there's a, for, for the builders out there, if there's a dearth of products in crypto, uh, it's, well, it's not that there's a dearth of products in crypto. It's that there's a dearth of great products in crypto. There are a lot of great ideas that are being executed poorly. Like I, you know, we talked about this on, on a previous episode. We both love friend tech, but it looks like Windows 95. Like, can't somebody just show up and do that right? I, I don't understand what's so difficult about this. Um, so like, if you're looking, if you're interested in blockchain technology and you're looking to build a, a product, like just, just look at the top 100 products guaranteed that 90% of them are good ideas that are being executed horrendously and just, just do it well with a good UX. And I, th I think you have a, you know, and then, then you, you could probably bootstrap something interesting. Yeah. It's funny um, how often people ask me, <laughs> people that don't have telegram, I'll spend two seconds on this because I think everybody listening uses it. So I'm not going to show it, but they go, why do, why do you need another messaging app? And I say, just download it. Yeah. Just look, it'll be very obvious very quickly. Why? Why, why you want to use Telegram? It's just so much better than every messaging app ever. But the wallet's bullish, which makes me also kind of bullish the token. But the token ripped so hard, and it was so insider front run. Um, I do think that you probably see a twenty-five, thirty billion dollar valuation for this thing. People, <clears throat> maybe higher. I, th I know, definitely higher. I think you get fifty to fifty to seventy peak bull run valuation on this thing, which is about a, I think, eight uh, x on the token right now. So. You know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a buyer basically anywhere below one, you know, two dollars, one fifty. Um, I probably, I probably just start loading, up, loading up on this thing. It's okay. So out of, uh, uh, so I like and the Telegram in, wallet like, is on. is opt. You like it's not opt in. It's if you're an international, i.e., non-U.S. domicile, you just you have it. You, you, you have it. You have to you opt have out, it. right? Yeah, and and it's going to be one of the tabs, right on the bottom. You see chat. You see settings. It's just going to be one of the tabs. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite bullish on that product. The other uh, thing, me, me too. I mean, like, it's the same thing that we were talking about with commodities earlier in in the year. Like, I could see a world in five years where, if you're, <clears throat> you know, a subsistence farmer in Bolivia, uh, and you bring something to, you know, from from your farm to a, a local market, um, maybe you're happy. Maybe at that point, you're happy to accept some Telegram coin instead of. Uh, you know, local currency because it's just easier and more seamless and you don't have to deal with the bank or a usurious middleman. Like I, I you know, it's not inconceivable that in five years or 10 years time, uh, the frictionless nature of crypto has disintermediated various micro economies within the world's, let's call it bottom hundred fiat economies. I, yeah, I would hundred percent agree with that. I kind of, it makes me kind of wonder how many people live in Venmo or PayPal as opposed to living in bank accounts. Probably not that many because it's so U.S. focused, but <laughs> I mean, I know one scammer who lives in in PayPal. But um, I would say I would say outside of the U.S. is where you get things like that. Like Bitcoin is probably, or even ETH is probably a great way for people to to transfer value around for services and goods. 
delivered um, in places like India, Lebanon. In fact, like in my old shop, Vital, like we were, we would sell gasoline to Lebanon. Um, maybe we could have gotten a better price if we sold it to them and accepted Tether, which they're clearly holding a lot of right now. Who, kn who knows? Were they? Um, yeah. you know, do, I wonder if that's something that you would you would explore today. I, I, I would if I were them. Yeah, it would it would be it would be smart too. That that's for sure because I know they use it. Maybe sell oil to Argentina and USDT. Yeah, but most of but uh, when you sell oil to somebody, who are you selling oil to? The government. Um. If you're selling oil to somebody, you're either selling it to a government entity, like a like uh, in China, you have companies that are like quasi sovereign that buy oil for their strategic petroleum reserve. Or you could, if you're selling oil, usually there's only one type of customer. It's a refinery. Like oil in and of itself is not useful. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Native yeah. Americans you know, 150, 200 years ago, used it to make tar to put together canoes, but that's pretty much the only use. You, you have to refine it in order to turn it into all the useful stuff that we, we know and love oil for. So when you're selling oil, you're selling it to a refinery, hey, making, you're selling making, it to Making government. canoes is a real business. <laughs> you, know, I, 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 you don't seem like much of a canoeer to me. I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm more of a kayaker. Like a kayaker. If, I, if, I, if, I, if I were to I mean, we could start the thousand X canoe. I'll, I'll row the left or, you know, you take the so right. We, we could just start selling merch. Yeah, the first would be. I, I don't know how the hell it would be. I'm sure, you make, you, I'm sure you could sell a branded canoe. Maybe we can start with a fake, like a small one, and then actually scale it up. You listening, Blockworks? <laughs> Damn it, we have to. We probably have to give them a cut. <laughs> Bastard, <laughs> taking our money, <laughs> taking our taking our good canoe tar money. God damn it, Jason Yanowitz. That's okay. We'll, 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 we'll live. Speaking of speaking of making money, when do you think this? Uh, you're 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 now you're now my resident macro guy. Yeah. Uh, what when do, when do you think the market takes a turn? Right now, it's actually looking kind of nasty. I uh, think crypto is going to take a turn when all these ETFs land. Like I think you, you talk about when earlier you're talking about retail getting involved. Um, I, I think retail will get involved on chain after the price appreciates and they look at their Coinbase account and it's it's you know ballooned again, kind of like a 2020 21 type thing. So I think the ETFs are going to bring in a ton of money. Having worked at Cumberland, I saw just how important mm -hmm. a secure gateway is. And there just aren't many secure gateways in, in the world, in, in this post-FTX world. So an ETF is as secure a gateway as you're going to get for retail investors all over the world uh, and institutional. As soon as those things land, um, you tell me the timeframes of that, that's going to bring price appreciation. And then the follow-on effect will be... Um, sort of user on-chain adoption, NFTs, all that sort of secondary and tertiary price action. But in terms of macro, what what will what will make macro rally? Uh, mm -hmm. I think we're priced to perfection at the moment. I think there's a real risk that commodities create another supply side inflationary shock. And so I would not be, if I were a tactical trader um, mm -hmm. in the equities market, I would not be adding beta exposure, which, mean, which is sort of like, uh, Jargon for I would wait for a dip to buy the S and P ETF or the S and P future. What do you think? Yeah, I th I think that's I think I think that's fair. I think that my my view is that any any Bitcoin price below twenty six k is a good price, and I'm buying I'm buying basically all the way down to down to twenty two. I think you just want to you just want to accumulate Bitcoin heading into the having heading into rate cuts. 
he- heading into heading into next year. I think what's clear to me is that they're just without the traditional markets puking out much more. Which, by the way, they definitely could. I mean, if you look at Nasdaq and you look at the S and P, they don't look pretty. Um, but and and I think I think the the uh, there's there's a lot of room for repricing solely because people are so confident that we're going to get a soft landing. And we're, I think one of the reasons that we're going down is it's, we're, we're, we're getting a more balanced approach in that, in that opinion. Mm-hmm. And people are pricing in the probability of recession a little bit more. So I think that there's some way to go. I don't think Bitcoin gets below 22. I think if it does, that's a giga buy. Um, you know, that's like a, I'm going to get 80% of my net worth long at 22. Um, and basically, you're just you know, you're, you're just you're just. <laughs> I thought account. I was Mr. PA crypto investor. Now that's nah. that's a statement. Because I, I I just see the the demand from the ETF originally, as as I think I've talked about on previous podcasts, is going to be negative. You're going to get some outflows from GBTEP, but then over the long term, it's just going to be so obviously positive. And I think that 2024 sets up very nicely. Uh, for bulls. Uh, the one thing that I basically have no interest in touching is uh, altcoins for now. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just don't really see. I'm with you hundred percent. Why I would touch them at this, at this, at this moment. I think that they're definitely idiosyncratic coins that can do well. I mean, you can make some money. You can make some money with front tech and potentially I might buy some Rollbit if Rollbit gets to like eight cents, uh, you know, or maybe, uh, maybe five, five to five to eight cents. Because I do, I do genuinely, I do genuinely believe that crypto. One of the killer use cases for crypto is building a global casino, and I want to bet on global casinos using crypto. Um, and Me so, too. you know, I I, 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 I like, I like Rollbit from that from that perspective. I don't love it from a from a few others, but we'll we sh- we shall see. I'm with you on altcoins. I think the, um, you know, I think that altcoins have been so. Uh, destructive to value over the course of the last year and a half that destructive just to to the you know the the financial value of people's accounts institutional and retail that you're not going to have an altcoin led rally in crypto you're not going to have a scenario where it's like oh crap I, I i wish i was in coin number 73 instead of bitcoin and eth because it just rallied so hard and led the whole market higher it, that's not going to happen. Like altcoins are going to give you a chance to get back in. I think first Bitcoin and ETH are going to go during the next rally. And then you're going to have that sort of like moment of silence where it's like, hey, is this real? Uh, if you know, And if you think so, then you can sort of go down your menu of altcoins and start buying. And I think that the menu at that time will be very different than how the menu looks today. So I think it pays to wait. I think you will have an opportunity as, as a retailer, institutional investor to to sort of, <clears throat> to sort of, uh, you know, like wait for altcoins to catch up. They're just that market has just been too beaten up for it to correlate with the next Bitcoin rally. Um, and furthermore, I, you know, I caused some controversy on Twitter with this. I, I'm, I think it's okay to give up on a lot of, of altcoins right now. Like, just what do you forever. mean by that? Give up? Like, I. You know, I don't want to go through a, a hit list or anything, but I think it's <clears throat> altcoins is not an asset class within crypto anymore. Like most of it is just dead, 
And then there are like very specific projects that may outperform. You know, I think altcoins as a catch-all phrase should just be removed from the lexicon uh, of crypto people. Um, like we could we could call it like the twenty-one basket or the the seventeen basket of like things that performed during those bull cycles. We could refer to those specific baskets, but altcoins is a universe that's too large to to discuss uh, concisely in in sort of a, a, a you know profit accumulating way 99.9 percent of coins that aren't bitcoin and eth are worthless right so that that's sort of what i mean i think uh i think we have to be a lot more careful about our usage of the term altcoin yeah i i i'd, I'd agree I'd, I'd agree with that i mean the, the the thing is that there are things out there <coughs> that can still do quite well uh okay so here's here's an example I think that dot is effectively worthless. Me too. Now. I think it's completely worthless. Shorting it costs 30% a year. Yeah. I mean, if there were an efficient way to and, short it, it would already be worth zero. And it is a fully diluted valuation is 5.5 billion. How nuts, how nuts is that? How long do you think it's going to take to cut that valuation in half? Might take a while. If I were a dot holder, I would sell. And if I didn't want to sell for some insane reason, I would lend it to a seller. Like that's what I would do. Yeah, but I mean, you can get. I think the staking rate is is pretty high, and so that pe people are just staking it, staking it instead. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's like how long do we think that it takes for this for this to for this to reprice? Probably very probably, good probably takes a while. Once right? told me tokens don't file for bankruptcy. Right? It's no. kind of true. Well, that's that's the that's the unfortunate nature of it is that they don't. And so when you're thinking as a trader, I think you have to think a lot about the, you know, the positioning of your, of, of other, of other people in this. It's like, okay, well, I know, let's say you want to get short a worthless asset like Dot or Cardano. It's like, well, I know that this thing is probably going to be worth less in two years, but I think that's the time frame that you have to take. Yeah. But so am I, if I sell the right? perp and pay 30% a year just to get Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, 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 it's tough, which is why I don't love shorting. I don't like I don't love value shorting in crypto. I like mean version shorting when you get like pumps and things like Worldcoin that are ridiculous, or things on like BCH that pump. Uh, I don't yeah, but tough uh, to love value shorting in crypto. In a bear market where you should be shorting a lot of stuff that has been proven worthless because of market structure issues, and you can't get short things efficiently, so. Trading anything that isn't like a major in a bear market becomes so difficult. And then obviously uh, those environments cull a lot of people from crypto, myself included. And then, you know, what's left is the, you know, the savvy investors who have navigated those bear markets when the next bull market occurs. And, you know, I, I would bet on you, Avi, um, to, to be the guy to find those next coins. I mean, you mentioned FriendTech. Rentech, I think, is one of the most interesting, despite, in spite of itself, in spite of having one of the most lackluster yeah. user experiences I've ever seen in any technology product in the last 15 years. Um, it's so cool. All right, Jonah. It was a pleasure. All right, dude. We'll catch up soon. Great talking. See you later.